Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast, where today we're talking about the fuck beast. That's right. <laughs> we're talking about the sexiest beast. Yeah, it's the one y'all were actually waiting for. Forget about beholders, we're talking about centaurs. 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 Question talking of the day. about lower halves. Boom, talk about ripped dudes, as we are so <laughs> often talking about on on this show that we do very often hot dudes yes yes and and i kind of adjacent to hot dudes i i want to first i want to you know break off the champagne bottle talking about the lower half of the centaur travis uh huh i don't know this and i i don't know if you know this but why do horses have tails I've only ever seen them used to swat at bugs, and I don't know if maybe, like, horses developed tails specifically to just, you know, bat away some mosquitoes. I mean, truth be told, I don't know why 90% of things that have tails have tails, so... Well, like, like, cats have tails and dogs have tails for balancing purposes, but horses are pretty stable. Did they used to be, like, real lil, and they needed extra balance ability? Also, horse so they tails, tails, I think... Horsetails, I think, are like much less. Yeah, they're mostly structural. Yeah, they're it's mostly hair with like some nub attached to it, as I understand it. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That's yeah. it's purely for flies. Yeah, send us uh, an email. I'll probably I'll probably look it up myself. But send me a bajillion flood our Twitter with the reason why horses have tails. To everybody listening to this. It, it evolved to protect its butthole. Yeah, create like five throwaway accounts and copy-paste the same <laughs> message and just fucking destroy our Twitter telling us why centaurs have tails. Uh, centaurs have tails because I want them to and it protects their butthole. Yeah, yeah. And trust me, with a, a monster as fine as the centaur, they're going to need a lot of butthole protection. You didn't hear it, but there was 30 seconds of silence. Travis? Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> My whole computer just fucking did the thing it did last week, and all I heard was you intermittently saying things very passionately. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> what had happened was, is you asked why horses have tails to protect their butthole, and I said it was because centaurs are so sexy, they need the butthole protection. And then there was just silence for 45 seconds. See, I it was so intermittently like your sound that I I heard noises up until I spoke again. <laughs> like, just not things I could recognize. Uh, well, it was really funny on my end. I thought well, you were doing good. a bit. It was no. a very pointed quiet. <laughs> it's it good. spoke volumes. I'm glad. Yeah. I probably would have done the same. Yeah. So, you know, basically, it's a centaur. You know what a centaur is. There's, and and truth be told, there's nothing terribly special about the 5th edition Monster Manual centaur. I, I don't remember if this is the case. Do centaurs as a culture ever get elaborated on in the other 5th edition books? No, I went through and looked, uh, Volo, I mean, they might be passively mentioned in something else's, uh, you know, like biographies. <laughs> But they don't have Someone else's own. guide to shit. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, in Volos and in Mordenkainen's, they might have like passive mentions in other beasts' lore, yeah. but they do not have their own sections. Yeah. 
Okay, so in that case, you know, I can pretty comfortably say that centaurs, that centaurs are not crazy special in the 5th edition monster manual. Yeah. It's pretty much, sure. if you've heard of a centaur, you're not getting anything crazy weird or adapted in this one. But for those of you who aren't in the know about the glorious sexual centaur beast, basically <laughs> it's it's a, a half horse up to the neck and then the rest of the beast is a person all the way to the waist down and they join at the neck to the waist from person to horse. They sure do. They sure they, do. It's interesting in 5th edition. Uh, do you want to talk about the art? Uh, well, like, first things first, just to, like, lay it all on the all the cards on the table, I will say that, for the most part, this is, you know, another one, another creature in the long list of druidic creatures, I'll call them, in the yeah. same way as Aarakocrins and Bullywugs are, these, like, non, like, semi, you know, they're supposed to be relying on stereotypical representations of indigenous cultures, and I will say that as that kind of monster in D&D goes, centaurs are not as gross as they could be, and I don't really get a weird feeling from centaurs, and what we do end up getting is a just okay 5th edition monster that has some somewhat mechanically neat possibilities, while at the same time having just fine lore. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they super heavy lean into the nomadic thing. Yeah. 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 It doesn't, but it doesn't go anywhere terribly interesting. Like, yeah, you know, my favorite yeah. thing about the monster manual is when we get something that we take for granted and then the monster manual just expands it into an unforeseen way. So like when, go back to the Basilisk episode where I talked about how it's cool how they're a shitty monster because they never have to be a good monster because they can just turn everything to stone. There's no neat detail extrapolating that goes on with the centaurs in that same way. Centaur done run fast. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's, let's ride on into it. Whoa. How do you feel about the art? I I like it. Yeah, it, it looks very you. I'm not surprised that you like <laughs> it. It does look like something that Travis would like. And so like to- It's the undercut, isn't it? Yeah, it is the undercut. As soon as I saw the undercut, I was like, yep, that's a Travis. You son of a bitch. Uh, but I wasn't <laughs> wrong, so- I like other things about it. Okay, all right, and we shall enumerate them. So basically, you know, it's pretty much how you'd expect a fifth edition centaur to look. It's a sexy dude top half with a poofy horse bottom half. I tried to do, I don't know shit about horses. I tried to do my best, as best as I can tell, the horse breed to those equestionados, which is a portmanteau of equestrian, <laughs> equester, fucking, for those of you, for those of you horse people, it God might be, equestarians. yeah, it might be like a Shire breed or a Clydesdale or possibly a gypsy breed of horse, which might be the pun for these wanderer nomad Creatures. Yeah, I was going to say Clydesdale, so that makes sense. Mm, good, good. I'm glad one of us knows about horses, because I don't know shit. No, it's just the, the poofy poofy hooves. Mm. Yeah, I, that's my favorite horse trait in yeah. certain horses is poofy hooves. Yeah, I definitely, the little opinions I have, I do prefer a poofy horse. <laughs> Give me them Skyrim horses. Yeah. So some of the things I like about this depiction of centaurs, like compared to, I don't know, say any of the other previous editions or just in general centaur art i really like how the upper half appears to be a combination of human skin and horse hide 
Mm. Like, yeah. I really like the the dual tones in the flesh and how it looks like he actually, even his human parts are made of hide. Yeah, it all looks like one creature as opposed to just pasting a person on top of a horse. I yeah, agree. Yeah, that's I... really it. it. It's it's a very good blend as opposed to a really terrible Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. And like, it, it did become kind of a saving grace because the centaur that we get here... It has, like, distinctive markings that look pretty much like alt-kid tribal tattoos. And so I was gonna, you know, give it a fucking cinema sin for the tribal tattoos. But then when I came at it from a different angle as, like, okay, first, suspension of disbelief. This is just a marking thing that centaurs have. And then second, disbelief. It kind of strikes me as, like, uh, a fae-esque kind of thing. It reminds me of a Guillermo del Toro kind of hide how a lot of Guillermo del Toro monsters tend to just have like swirlies that are gouged mm. out of their skin and when I think about I it you mean yeah when I think about it from that kind of perspective as kind of a perhaps centaurs at one point were a fey creature I like it quite a bit more right I assumed it was war paint just because mm. tribal kind of nomadic thing mm. and also if you look the horse itself has yeah. kind of a war paint thing on its butt. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. I didn't read it as paint because of, I don't know, I feel like maybe it's hard to paint a horse butt. Well, I mean, if your butt is the horse butt, it's probably not the hardest thing in the world. But I, I bet you it's harder for a centaur to paint its own butt. I don't know, man. If you take a real close look at that waist, he's turning at some angle. Well, <laughs> and that leads me to the other thing is the only... So the centaur is wearing two things. It's wearing like a metal necklace pendant thing uh that is supposed to you know be evocative and tribal or whatever fine gross whatever the second thing that it's wearing is like uh a girdle saddle bandana thing around its waist <laughs> leading me to believe that centaurs are like sensitive and shameful about the point where the human becomes the horse maybe it's also just like a really vital spot <laughs> yeah like they don't worry about their big floppy horse sticks hanging out but centaurs get embarrassed if you is what i'm understanding from this picture centaurs get embarrassed if you see the soldered human to horse part well because the real question is is underneath that what is essentially the human's cod piece is there a second human dick <laughs> that is that's also a very good question because this the the man part of this centaur does have quite the pubic plunge <laughs> It's a hard V, that's for sure. It is true. It's He's rocking some, like, 90s-style Brad Pitt. He has an 8-pack as well. He is for sure shredded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a ripped lad. <laughs> I would not be surprised if there was, like, a little chub hanging out of the, <laughs> just a little, the solder just part. Just a little nubbin. Yeah. Just a little nubbin. Just like a second tail, <laughs> you know, yeah. but without any of the hair. <laughs> well, maybe. But that's just an educated guess. Don't be yeah. confused. Wizards of the Coast did not allow a penal-like nub <laughs> to stick out of the centaur picture. Yeah, this is clearly penis conjecture. Yeah. Phallic <laughs> craft. Yeah, so I guess in seriousness, maybe it's because it's a horse. The tribal thing feels so inoffensive to me because it's a centaur. I don't know why. Yeah, there might be some truth there. It's just like because it's a sentient creature and because Wizards of the Coast is trying to traffic in that like that kind of noble savage thing, I get a little apprehensive. They don't really lean into it as badly as they could have, but it's still kind of 
trips my gross trigger. I guess so, yeah. There's just this, like... Because, like, with... It's weird, because, like, with bugbears and bullywugs and these other races, they are very specifically humanoid from the neck down with an animal feature above the neck. Mm. Implying that they could very easily have been inserted into any sort of sentient, proper culture, not have gone with the gross kind of tribal stereotype culture. They could have been implemented into just a city somewhere. Yeah. Centaurs, it's like, man... It's like, in a fantasy setting, it'd be real weird if Wizards of the Coast was the first, like, RPG to be like, no, centaurs are police! Like... Yeah, yeah, but tradition doesn't... Yeah, I see what where you're coming from, but for what it is, it still kind of makes me feel kind of gross, like, regardless of what a centaur ought to be historically. Yeah. And it's they're so, like, clearly trafficking in that tribal badass kind of thing with the necklace and the undercut. Yeah and the tattoo-esque markings. And it's ver- really weird, like, why it's- there's only two settings for 5th edition art style. It's either Noble Savage or Seattle alt scene. <laughs> Very strange. Kind of interestingly, the centaur is carrying a spear, like a kind of a wrapped-together thing. It's shaped kind of like an old cartoon can opener, but it's really pretty. It's also carrying, like, a side sword as well. I don't know, the book never mentions if centaurs make their own weapons, like if they're centaur blacksmiths, but both the weapons and the metal necklace thing that the centaur has both have a really pretty bronze quality to the metal, and it seems like they're related, and I don't know, like, maybe that's just what centaur craftsmanship looks like, or possibly it's scavenged, it's hard to say. I would think that it is probably, I don't know, like, looking at the spear specifically, uh, since the spear itself is made of the same metal as, like, the sword and the necklace, I would say it's probably an indication of centaur craftsmanship. Mm. Especially because in, like, previous editions, they have very specific relationships with uh, the other race cultures. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And there's still a little bit of that in this as well. It's just not as elaborated yeah. on. I think you're right. I think that might be what they're going for, or at least implying. It's a really pretty color, too. It goes with the, like, because it's this nice bronze that goes really well with the warm brown hues of the centaur yeah, side yeah, yeah. i really think that if nothing else the coloration job on this w- picture was pretty good yeah and like the contrast with the centaur color it almost makes it look like a nice almost gold like a solid gold yeah it's very earthy it's very cool i like it quite a bit i think it's good i one thing i was interested in your thought about uh what what his nose be like up there. Oh, yeah. I made a note of it and then just didn't forget to say it. I just forgot to say it. The face of the centaur still retains what I perceive to be something vaguely horse-like. It's still a hot dude. Don't be concerned. It's still a very hot man. Yeah. But his nose is doing like a nostril, equine-like horse nostril thing. Flare. Yeah, it's like flared up. He doesn't have exactly a person nose. It reminds me of that scene in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Dennis goes, he's part of a movie set. And uh, Deandra, this is already too long of a pull, but it's like when Deandra gets covered in blood to be in the movie and then Dennis just gets like a little bit of blood near his earlobe. It's just the barest (laughs) touch to make it not seem like a person while still being a really hot person. Man, that was a fucking pull. Yeah. (laughs) In terms of the lore that we get, they seem to mostly just work with the popular lore of centaurs. So the book paints them as wanderers and omen readers living out their best lives outside of the Eurocentric model of civilization 
and as well outside the laws of the kingdoms nearby. The idea is that they're going for like a born free as horses are kind of feeling right. in the lore. Centaurs are painted as being very adaptable to a range of climates and can be found in both mild and hotter weathers. They're extremely nomadic hunter-gatherers, rarely stopping to set up so much as a tent, preferring to just keep on keeping on the span of entire continents, we'll see. And if you're in the mood for a somewhat Witcher-style, morally complex moderation quest, here's your adventure hook that we get. Apparently, centaurs keep the same roots that they've taken in their cultural memory. So centuries later, when they backtrack, they can get offended when they find they find obstructive settlements of other creatures on top of the route that they had taken ages past. So there you go. Horsemen are mad at my farm. Horsemen are mad at my farm! Thank you. I I neglected to do the the Farmer Steve voice or whatever. Yeah. And then you as the party, you have to try to compromise between the village and the mad centaurs, which I think is probably the best thing you can do with these guys because centaurs are supposed to be good aligned creatures. Yeah. So you're not going to have the... These horse people are destroying my city in the same way, at least not within the spirit of what the centaur is in the monster manual. Yeah, there's there's really only like two ways to come across the centaur, and that's you try you stumble across the wandering herd or this interaction. Yeah. In terms of internal politics, centaurs live very grounded, very practical lives. So the idea is if you can't keep up with the herd, you're left behind. Okay. Centaurs that are left behind either establish new lives in non-centaur towns, basically just becoming the resident spirit shaman, woohoo, or they just fucking die. They just go into the wilderness and suicide by bear or something. <laughs> I will die, metal. Pretty much, like, the, that's what you get. And, and there, yeah, there's this kind of, and, and uh, it doesn't make me feel gross, but I feel like, I don't know, it's so fraught, this kind of story, this kind of creature, to do something that traffics in this like natural world druidic kind of idea without going full dances with wolves about it yeah. or like full Pocahontas. It it's difficult. It's difficult to navigate. This one is, mm, never mind. I, mm. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't like, I don't, it by no means makes me feel as gross as Bullywogs or Bugbears or even to some extent with our Cochran's. Yeah. Well, because this one is like literally a horse. Like. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think like that, if you, like me, feel a little, like, fringes of gross about it, I think that's the best way to remap it in your brain to make it not feel so weird, is to just, like, oh, they're, they're, they just want to make a kind of people that makes you feel like how you feel like when you see a horse. Yeah. And not necessarily traffic in, like, indigenous culture stuff. I think that's the difference, is that bullywogs, there's no reason that frogs would act like Native American culture, you know, like... There's no, no reason a frog would do weird spirit shaman bullshit, but like a centaur is like just a horse. It's just a horse with a man yeah. on top. So like, it makes sense that their culture is horse-like. <laughs> yeah. 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 If bullywogs yeah. were a know. race of people that went around and like lived in lily pad huts, it'd be like, oh, I get it. <laughs> That's kind of. Yeah. It's like a frog yeah. thing. This is yeah. just kind of horse stuff. Yeah. It is kind of just horse stuff. They don't. And they don't ever lean very... Like, nobody ever goes, the spirits are angry yeah. in the centaur lore. So it's not enough to make me feel actually gross about it. It's just like, I am I do the thing where I point two of my fingers at my eye and then one of my fingers at the monster manual kind of thing. <laughs> so the idea is that centaurs will occasionally stop by other settlements in order to do trade or whatnot. And if a centaur is getting on in years, one of these settlements will sometimes adopt 
old man centaur, giving him a sort of retirement home in their settlement. So, like, thing number one, if you feel weird about it, think about it like horse stuff. Thing number two, my headcanon for centaurs fall into that Harry Potter-style, logically-minded astrologer kind of wisdom, and not necessarily the spirits are angry kind of wisdom. And I kind of hope that's what the Monster Manual is going for, too. Just a kind of druidic creature that is not wise in the noble savage way, but is just ultra practical and understands how to thrive in the area. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I don't get a super gross vibe from these guys. I just, like, I'm hover-arming it. I'm, I'm hover-arming the centaur from flying outside the windshield of stereotypes and get splattered on the pavement of racism. <laughs> Something that I... Like, they kind of poke at it in a less direct way in the 5th edition manual. But previous lore for centaurs, they were almost, almost holistically just like, they were straight elves. They were elf horses. Mm. Uh, mm. In such that their culture was like very in line with how druidic elves were in past editions. Centaurs kind of by nature, like, you know how the old editions were very like, by nature, they hate these people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were like, by nature, they love elves, hate humans, hate dwarves. They are, and I think my favorite thing is, like, they are strictly neutral about halflings and gnomes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, all right. Just to cover all the bases. Yeah, just, just to cover all the bases. Just in case the, the DM decides to have thoughts. Yeah. These are how they feel. If a centaur sees a tiefling, it implodes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's so silly that old D&D used to do that, and then I remembered all of the ancient rivalry bullshit that we get in all these races. Yeah. <laughs> So there's that. I, I was the fool the whole time. Turns out it was man. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that they, ke they, they kept the whole, like, occasionally they'll stop for trade, but they kind of cut out the very specific, like, yeah. if they stop at a human town, they'll just kill everyone, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like that it's not as direct and that it's a little bit more subtle and elegant in how the centaurs fit in with the rest of the world. Plus, it's a lot more versatile. Yeah, I was going to say, it's more versatile. It gives you a lot more, like places to put them in the world without having to worry about some sort of bullshit racial conflict. Absolutely, yeah. I think that was the good choice. Good job, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, you made one. Good good, good going. Good, A+. Plus. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I really wanted to bring up. I tried doing a little bit of digging into, like, what was their culture like in past editions, but it's really just, it has always been kind of, we are druids. Yeah. We like trees and running through the plains. Yeah. Yeah, that's never been terribly interesting to me. That might be why I like I'm so keyed in to being a white person offended by <laughs> these stereotype things, like these indigenous people, noble savage things. That might be what it is, is because I just never found druids terribly interesting, so I'm just looking for something to think about. I like them when they're really, when they, like, lean into it in a more modern sensibility. Mm. Like, I'm super into druids that, like, it's not just that they love nature, hate, or love nature, love trees, they hate people who colonize and move in on nature. I really love druids that are, like... <laughs> I collect all of these different plant samples and I make various types of teas and I give them out to all of the towns in the area. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, like a fucking, I don't know, just uh, like wholesomeness rather than environmentalist. Yes, because I think like, I think environmentally conscious doesn't always mean like tribal. And I really like, uh, I don't know what the word is. See the competency in druidic stuff. 
I think is what you're trying to say. Yes, when you can mix druidic stuff with other things like it's it doesn't have to be your identity that you are druidic you know what i mean sure yeah i think i see what you're saying and i i agree with you yeah it's just like this is how we live our lives we're we're good at living this life and then also like i have hobbies we do all the other (laughs) shit that we do yeah like i go places and have friends yeah centaurs are very druidic and also they're really into knitting like, yeah they have their blacksmithing trade is unrivaled like just give me anything else i think i yeah i think that's i think that's the ticket is it's not interesting enough to just be a druid monster you have to be a druid monster that also has this other stuff yeah that is fleshed out in literally any way <laughs> yeah yeah i agree i agree Mechanically, yes. these guys are very mobile fighter archer kind of guys. So in terms of the stat block, they are a category size large monstrosity with a neutral good alignment. They have a challenge rating of 2, a below average AC of 12, and a significantly below average HP of 45. So they're squishy boys. They have a very high run speed of 50, being horses, they're good at running. And they have pretty good attributes with particularly high strength and then average or above average everything else except for a below average intelligence, which doesn't totally feel okay, but I can't really directly counter their intelligence in the lore that we get, so... Yeah, they're low intelligence. I mean, like, it's not like it's a uh, an animalistic intelligence of three. That would no. feel real fucked up, but... <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I just feel... I don't know. It feels weird. It feels weird. But I can't directly counter it. They have a higher intelligence than one third of the characters I roll up. So, like, I I find no nothing wrong with it. Sure, sure. It just feels strange to me that these... I You know what it is? It directly contradicts my headcanon of centaurs as being, like, logical and then knowledgeable about stars and nature and the paths that they've taken as a herd from place to place. Mm. I, I, I like me an intelligent centaur. And so this kind of minorly undercuts that. Those things also, aside from like literally the book learnt nature stat in the character sheet, those things are attributed... Can apply to wisdom, yeah. Yeah, those things are more attributed to wisdom by the general public, even though that may not translate in stats. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't know. You're right. (laughs) They get a big old plus six bonus to athletics, them being horse people, and they also get plus three bonuses to perception and survival being consciously aware ranger guys that makes a sense they consequently get a solid 13 pass perception they speak elvish and sylvan which gives them some fey ties which i think i would have liked to learn a little bit more about in the lore like you know how i was in the mood for in the artistic representation seeing some of that fey stuff i think there could have been some really cool fey magic or satyr ass pan's labyrinth style cool stuff in the centaur lore yeah that literally satyr i was thinking it's it's weird that there's no like they don't have any cross relation lore about like satyrs centaurs headcanon is they walked straight out of the feywild yeah there's something very like like a dryad there's something very like a dryad about centaurs and i can't really like put my finger on what it is i i think it's that dryads are elves from the trees and centaurs are elves from horses yeah yeah they're elves of the plains yeah yeah i like the idea of a bunch of centaurs being like just like standing in the middle of the feywild being like 
this shit's too silly for us, and then just running out of it. <laughs> we gotta go. Yeah. One single fucking satyr shows up with a pipe flute, and they just impale it with a spear. <laughs> They're like, all right, I... Look, I know we've been here for all of time imaginable, but I we gotta... I can't. I just can't. We gotta bounce. This place blows. <laughs> In terms of their traits, they get charge, which I mentioned briefly with Bolettes. Basically what happens is if the centaur moves at least 30 feet straight toward a target and then hits that target with their pike that they have, the target gets an extra 10 3d6 piercing damage. As it usually is, it's just a flavorful way to get a bit more damage onto a creature that is equine or bovine in nature. But we'll see in a second that that charge can be traumatic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In terms of actions, the centaur gets a multi-attack, where it can hit with its pike and its hooves, or take two shots with the bow that it has as well. So the pike gets a very accurate for its CR plus six to hit, and also has a reach out to ten feet. So that's already kind of a problem. Mm -hmm. On a hit, it does a modest 9 1d10 plus 4 piercing damage. They also get a hoof attack that is also very accurate, doing a plus 6 to hit. This one, however, does not have the reach, but it does a little bit more damage, totaling up to be 11 on average, 2d6 plus 4 bludgeoning damage. So all those things together, this is kind of shaping up to be a lot, a lot of damage. With the average damage with charge in the mix being a pretty high 30 damage in a round if it gets both its attacks and its charge off, which it can feasibly do if you let it. So I'm thinking that this, like the bugbear, might be one of those wait until your team gets to level three kind of monsters. Mm -hmm. And of course, as always, the disclaimer is you as the DM have complete control over what the monster does, but there is a something to be said for 30 damage against a level two fighter. It's not even only that. It's so with bugbears, they had like, oh, it was the sneak attack thing. And very rarely, it's it would be very feasible to just throw like one bugbear at your party. Maybe two. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. centaurs are so a herd that like there's almost guaranteed to be like upwards of three, four, five centaurs in a place at one time. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely true. I do think that's the intention is this isn't a thing you fight at level two. Of course, being good aligned, you probably will never fight it. Mm -hmm. But this is not a thing that you're supposed to fight at level two. The idea is I'm imagining you're supposed to fight like five of these at level 10 mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Five five monsters that can do 30 damage per round. That seems pretty level 10. Like Yeah, it, it feels appropriate. And then also because centaurs are kind of squishy, it wouldn't be overwhelming yeah. to throw five centaurs at a level 10 party. I think that is the idea that these guys are designed for. Kind of in a, in a neat way with the way that centaurs are designed. The centaur, you as the DM, if you're playing them true to life, 100% honesty, the centaur gets to make this tactical decision of either getting an attack of opportunity range by taking an attack with both the pike and the non-reach hooves, or just staying out of range by just taking one pike attack or hanging out with a, their fairly low damage bow that we'll get to in a second. Fortunately, the distance minimum on charge means that the centaur can't just spam charge on the same target forever. But yeah, these guys might not be the best choice for a level two to maybe level three or five party. Well, that's a good question, actually. Can it? No, it can't. Not against the same target, right? So if the warlock is... 30 feet in the different in a different direction from the fighter mm -hmm. the centaur could bounce between them and get charged but it can't just stand near the fighter if the fighter stands in the same position it can't run back and then run forth and get its charge in the same turn right yeah okay 
I was trying to like do math in my head with the speed of 50 feet and the range of 10 feet on the pike. And I was like, is it possible? <laughs> I don't think it is. I'm, I counted it out just to be absolutely sure. I think you can do it. You can probably do it two turns in a row, but then you're within five feet. I think that's the thing is like you can do it two turns in a row, but then you can't do it again because you're within five feet melee range. Oh, fuck. You might be right it, with the reach. You might be. Oh, God, I got to pull up a grid again. Hold on. <laughs> if. OK, so they can do it if they stab him with the pike and then on the next turn use their full movement speed and then charge and then with the 10 feet they can get it with their pike again but that's the only way that they can juggle right charges like that so so be be forewarned <laughs> it, players it's a lot of tactical bullshit is really what yeah, we're saying there's a lot of counting of squares <laughs> but i think that's kind of what they're going for right not only do the centaurs have this charge ability with a bunch of melee weapons, they also get a longbow attack, which has a an above average accuracy of plus four to hit with the appropriate range of 150-600. To balance that out, it does a below average damage of six, 1d8 plus two piercing damage. So I think that's kind of what they're going for. They're going for a kind of fire emblem, whatever the one, the unit type that can do bow stuff and sword stuff. They're, this creature has the ability to hang back, pick off members of the party with their bow, and then dart in to finish the job when somebody's softened up from arrows. I think that's assassin. Yeah, that's an assassin. Yeah, whatever it is. And that is pretty much what my read of the ideal centaur in a vacuum fight is. Basically, you know, the centaur dodges out of the way of stuff, uses its crazy high mobility to keep out of harm's way while it softens up the party with arrows, and then darts in to take down a softened up fighter or something giving the players a chance to counter by swarming him as he gets up to the frontliners. Yeah. As always, you as the DM get to set the shape of the arena, and I would recommend throwing in like a cliff wall or a chasm or something that keeps the tactically minded players invested in blocking off or surrounding the centaur by trapping the centaur next to that wall such that it can't get its mobility or charge off so easily yeah the 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 kind of like set piece in my head encounter that i was like imagining for centaurs is kind of like a um like a, a lion king wildebeest coming down the hill style like just a <laughs> charge of centaurs coming down a hill into a valley where the party is after peppering them with arrows from up top yeah yeah and i think you know when when it's the battle for the crown or whatever, and you're calling in your centaur buddies to help fight off the orc horde in this big epic battle, that is probably how the centaurs do. Or on the worst case scenario, you accidentally walked into their valley. This is their valley. You done goofed. Yeah, that would be fun, like a centaur charge yeah. or like a stampede. But yeah, all combined, I think these guys are fine i think the lore is fine i think the tactics that they have at hand are pretty good as always keep an eye on using them against lower level parties and even if the lore isn't terribly special or evocative i still think that centaurs are a pretty all right monster you know what i'm a little i guess i'm not super surprised about it because as we've discussed before fifth edition is pretty like traditional in terms of how it presents monsters mm. i'm just Maybe disappointed? Not super disappointed. I wish there were alternative centaurs. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Like the, yeah, instead of the top half being a human, maybe the top half is a half orc. And the reverse, like instead the top half is a human and the bottom half is the body of a bull or like. Oh, 
That's kind of cool. It's half human, half a zebra now because it's in a different place or like. What if the bottom half is a horse and the top half is a horse, but it's the bottom half of the horse? Yeah, two two horse necks rammed together. Is I've I've seen that picture and it's the worst thing. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I don't feel nearly as creative anymore. <laughs> Orion, we've discussed nothing is original in 2019. That is true. Nihil nove sub sole, as they say. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said. Thank you so much for listening to our episode of Tooth and Nail. If you liked what you listened to, I'd recommend listening to some more Tooth and Nail. But if you are sick of the the antics of these sad men... <laughs> if you just can't stand us anymore... If you just can't stand us anymore, feel free to check out any of the other shows on nerdsmith.org. And if you super duper like our our conglomerate as a whole, feel free to subscribe to Nerdsmith. For just, a, for just like $5 dues, you can get yourself a bunch of bonus cool stuff built by us starving artists yeah give us some of your dollary dues if you can spare and we'll give you the gift of friendship yeah yeah but if you're like i don't want to spend money on these sad boys and i don't want to listen to any more of their stuff then adios please <laughs> please leave us a lukewarm review on itunes <laughs> and we'll miss you dearly you beautiful person one star Never again will I listen to this. They yeah. they said that centaurs have two penises, so I'm out. <laughs> it was too much for me, man. It was a little too blue. Yeah, gone just too far. Yeah, I understand. I understand. For now, what's our creature comfort for the episode? Oh, get yourself just one cup of hot cocoa, one cup of herbal tea. I'm switching it up. You gotta have two cups now. Mm. And... I don't know, man. Take up knitting. I already said it, but, you know, yeah. find yourself a nice yeah. hobby. Don't let who you are define you, where you're from. Absolutely. Spread out. <laughs> Sow your oats. Well. <laughs> Just taking it back to super fuckable monsters. <laughs> Have a good day. Goodbye. <laughs>